0: Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the Voyage of Becoming. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-7, the Apostle Paul writes this, and as I read it, I just want you to imagine the Apostle Paul wrote this actually to you. Like, everything Paul wrote, these were letters to churches, Um, We do kind of a poor job when we read the Bible when it comes to Paul's letters. We just read chunks. But let's be honest. If someone gave you a love letter when you were in high school or college, how many of y'all, anybody old enough that you passed notes in school? We didn't have text messaging then, okay? Or if you did, it was like 10 cents a text, and everybody was going to get in trouble by mom and dad if you sent too many, okay? We passed notes. We had a cool little fold-up process. You could, like, tuck it in a little pocket. I can never figure that out. I always have to have another girl fold that up for me as I passed a note to another girl. No, no. It is what it is. Player's gonna play. I'm kidding. I was, no one ever liked me, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> I was always like, You're just a friend. I got a friend. His name's Jesus. I'm looking for more than a friend, okay, girl? I don't need no more friends. Anyways, what was I saying? Oh, if you got a letter and it was like from someone you liked, there's no way that you're opening that thing, reading one sentence, that's sweet. I'll finish it later. You're reading it top to bottom, bottom to top, over and over and over. Open it up with a really cool fold, all the way back, tuck in the pocket. I mean, I remember guys who walked around and was like, check it out. It wasn't money, it was notes, y'all. He had a whole stack. I was like, dang. God, I want a stack of notes. He's like, I gave you one. And I'm like, I, don't know. I want a stack of notes from Hurt. Anyways, I find it interesting that we'll read Paul's letters in chunks when I encourage you, if you've never sat down and read an entire book in the New Testament, meaning one of the epistles, one of the letters, I could be Philippians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Timothy. Romans would be a tough one, okay? 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. But there is something about reading it in its entirety because it was a letter. But as I read this chunk to you, because we don't have time to read the whole letter today, okay? That's why you need to be following Jesus Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But I want to read this chunk, and as I read this, it's to you. He literally wrote it to you. The truth of God is timeless. And here's what he says. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead. And on the third day, just as the scripture said, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but Jesus didn't just rise from the dead. And me and you could take this book and set it to the side. And I could, I could show you historically that we have historical proof that there are eyewitness accounts that saw a resurrected Jesus outside of the Bible. And it happened to be that 500 of them saw him at one time. Look. If a couple little ladies and a couple little teenage boys were like, he's risen, it's easy for the community to be like, okay, y'all were crazy with him. Y'all are crazy without him. But 500 people at one time, government's got a little problem on their hands at this point. It says 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, as Paul's writing this, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. We pray with me? Holy Spirit, speak in these next few moments through your word. We thank you for the truth. We pray that it would pierce our hearts in Jesus' name. Everybody said. This whole weekend, of course, can have any person, whether, think about if you're a person in the story, thinking about if you're, you're Mary or one of the disciples, think about yesterday, what it would have been like for these people who followed Jesus for three years. I'm talking about they are with him, following him from place to place, seeing miracles, signs, wonders, and then he's die- he dies. The one that they're like, yeah, you're from God. And he told them he's going to die, but they're like, yeah, but you, like, can't die. Like, you can't die die. Like, you're always speaking in parables. That has to be, like, a parable. Like, you just mean, like, a version of you is going to die. No, no, but he's dead. They watch him bury his body. They seal a grave. And on Saturday, these people who gave up everything to follow this man are now sitting, going, what's going on? If you insert yourself into the text... There are a lot of questions that you can be pondering. Jesus was arrested. One of his closest friends is the one who betrays him. Just so you know, everything about the life of Jesus can be attached and connected to your life. Anybody ever been betrayed? Anybody ever been backstabbed? Don't be telling God that God don't understand. Some of us got the gall to go to God and say he don't understand. He said, I left my throne and came to the earth to experience life like you so that I could look at you and say, hey, I love you. I understand. One of his best friends betrays him. Peter, another one of his closest, denies him three times. And I want you to know, Peter denying Jesus is a pretty big deal. Like, Also the fact that somewhere between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m., Peter is with Jesus having the final Passover with the Passover lamb, and then somewhere between 9 p.m. to 1130 p.m., he denies him because the first rooster crow actually would happen around midnight, in ancient days I know we think it's like way way later and he took the whole night no 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 by the time Jesus has been arrested he has been taken to Caiaphas's house and by 3 30 a.m. he's already going to Herod and then to Pilate and all of these things are happening just as the sun is coming up by the time he gets to Pilate so Peter literally sits with Jesus and says Lord I This will never happen. Jesus looks at him and says, hey, before the rooster crows the third time, you will have denied me. You will. It will have happened. And here, Peter denies three times. The Jews sentenced Jesus to death. The sky goes black, Jesus dies, then the temple, which mind you, I know we got churches on every corner, but in this city, there was one temple. And that temple is where you took the you took the sacrificial lamb, that's where you would go, the incense would burn, that's where the ark was, God's presence. And there was a curtain, and only the high priest could go behind the curtain. And when Jesus says, it is finished, the earth shakes, rocks split. And the curtain tears from the top down. I just want you to know it's important that the curtain tears from the top down because it was a tall curtain. And there's no way that someone could have been playing. Some kids could have been messing around. No one could have accidentally ripped it a little bit. And then a kid grabbed it and pulled it and tore it from the bottom up. Because God did this miraculous work. It was torn from the top down, and it's a representation for you and I that you now have access to the thing that only the high priest could go into, only the really, really religious man could get into. No, Jesus says it is finished and says, I'm tearing the curtain top down. I did it. You have access. Earthquakes, rock split, curtain tears. Saturday, things go silent. You can imagine the disciples are pondering so much, fearful, worried. Doubting, but wanting to believe. If you're taking notes today, write this down. What do you do when you're doubting, but you want to believe? What do you do when you're doubting and want to believe? Because I can, I can very well imagine Peter after denying. I can very well imagine every single disciple. It says when he was arrested, it says they fled. The very feet he had just washed several hours before are now the feet that are running away from him. I could imagine that all of those disciples are fearful and doubting and struggling, but deep down wanting to believe. I don't know if you've ever been there. I don't know if you've ever been in the place like, I want to believe God, but I'm struggling. I'm in my darkest days, but I want to believe. I think that's where many people are. I feel like there are probably very few people who are just adamant and angry and like, I hate God. I don't believe that there's Tons of those people to the depth of their soul. I think to the depth of our souls, we actually want to believe. But our circumstances and situations, just as the disciples, it puts us in this place of doubting doubting and struggling, but wanting to believe. So what do you do? You stay in community. Look at this. Peter denies, but he ends up later back with the disciples. He even goes fishing at one point, frustrated, and guess who goes with him? Some disciples. Jesus was, uh, after Jesus was resurrected, um, Peter is with disciples locked up in a house. Thomas doubts that Jesus even resurrected, but guess where Thomas was when he was doubting? In the presence of the other disciples. What do you do when you're doubting, but you want to believe deep down? You stay in biblical community. You stay connected. And we actually see that with the resurrection. Look at Mark chapter 16, 1 through 7, Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, the mother of James and John. Now I know it says James twice, it's two different Jameses, okay. Um, but I find it interesting, this is one of the only times you're going to see that third woman listed. And it's the only time she's actually mentioned in scripture. And you got to remember Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is four different people's accounts. And, and Mark is very interesting because Mark is actually not Mark's account. That's John Mark. And Mark actually would be Peter's account. And Peter would be telling John Mark what to write. John Mark wasn't a physical eyewitness at this point. John Mark would second-hand account. But the reason we have it is because it verbatim came from a first-hand account, which is Peter. Because many people would be like, dude, Peter's like pretty pretty star of the show. I mean, he screws up a lot, but he'd kind of be your your favorite character in the movie, right? I mean, he's the one denying Jesus, cussing people out. like He's like, Jesus, they're not going to arrest you. Cut someone's ear off. Jesus is like, bro, chill. Picks an, Jesus picks an ear up and puts it back on a soldier's head. That is arresting him. Look, you got to be, number one, you got to have some kind of power. Number two, got to be just straight gangster for the dude who's trying to arrest you, for your homeboy to cut his ear off, and then you would be like, no, 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 no. Let's heal that man real quick. Go ahead. Do what you came to do because it's fine because I could call a whole legion of angels, and I could wipe all of you out, but I'm not going to do it because I have an assignment on my life. I asked the Father if there's any other way to let this cup pass for me, but I don't want my will. I want his will because it's not about me. It's about them. These three women go together. It says they went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way there, they were asking each other, who will roll the stone away for us from the entrance to the tomb? Now, ladies, this is not a knock on you. I just find it interesting that, ladies, you just have faith, right? Like, have you ever, I'll never forget working at a church, and it was a women's event, okay? Okay. Hey, I love y'all. Y'all are incredible. I'm just sharing my heart, walking through some trauma. And, and we had built this, this wooden wall for pictures, like a photo wall. And the guy who built it, awesome. I don't think anything he builds at his house, though, is supposed to be moved. Any, any guys who build, you know what I'm talking about. If we're going to build this, we're going to use this kind of wood because once you build this, if you want to move it, you're going to need a miracle. That's how this photo wall was. Mind you, we told him, hey, this is portable. We're a portable church, the church we came from. We were portable. We set up, we tore down every week. So he we builds this photo wall. It's terrible. I remember the first time we used it. I looked at our pastor. I said, hey, can we have a youth bonfire? We have plenty of wood. We don't even have to buy any wood. We'll just burn this thing. This is terrible. I never want to do this again. We have this women's event, and we're sitting, you know, some of the staff are in the meeting, and they're talking to it. We need this, we need this, we got this, we got this. And I'm sitting there listening, and I'm like, they got all this vision. And I was like, so. What team do you guys have that's going to execute this? And they're like, oh, we just figured you guys should. <laughs> what? Okay. And I'm like, Pastor, so are we expected? Because we've all got our areas of ministry. So we're all part of the women's ministry. Now I'm just trying to get clarity. Like, yeah, yeah, I need y'all to get the wall. And I remember moving this wall, and I was like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? Like, Lord, shut this women's ministry down. And I, and I was in my flesh. That's wrong. That's wrong. But for the ladies, they weren't thinking through all that. They were going, we see how it needs to be, and man, you better buck up and get to work and make it happen. And they're right. We served them, and it was an incredible event. But I find it interesting that these ladies are traveling with spices to anoint the body of Jesus, and there is a freaking rock sealing the grave, and they're like, hmm, I wonder who's going to, like, move the rock for us when we get there. (laughs) Ma'am. Ma'am. Ma'am, we need to rethink this. First off, not just who's going to move it. You're not supposed to move it. There's a Roman soldier outside guarding it so that no one does. All right, I'm getting off my soapbox. But look at this. It says, but as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. Oh, great. Awesome. Someone already did it. When they entered the tomb, I love the fact that, it's just that it doesn't say anything in between there. It's just like, oh, great. It was already done for us. They must have known we were coming. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth. I could just see him, like, dropping all the spices. Just, like, standing there There's an angel. Jesus is not there. It says, You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, and everyone say these two words with me, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee and you will see him there, just as he told you before he died. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that. I doubled that somehow. I pasted that twice. I apologize. Verse 8. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone. It says, including Peter. I need you to know that when Jesus died for the brokenhearted, he also rose again, and the first thing on his, on his mind, the thing that, because angels don't get to say whatever they want. Angels speak what God tells them. They do God's bidding. So God the Father made sure that the angel said, angels are not just like, oh, I'll just kind of throw in a couple of my own words. You know, I, God, I got it. I got it. I'll handle it. I, I'll, get, I'll get the idea across. I feel like language is a little rough. You're, you're a little outdated. Let me figure. No, no, no. They say what God says. Is it interesting that God made sure, hey, go tell the disciples, including Peter. Because Peter had denied. Peter was in a broken state, and I love the fact that even at his resurrection, it proves that he's still on the hunt for broken people. But let's rewind to Friday really quick, and this is where I'm going to take you to close this out. I want to enjoy a little bit of an obscure scripture in a moment, but Luke 23, 39 through 43. Jesus is on the cross. This is Friday. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed at him. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. I mean, I guess when you're at your, you're already nailed to a cross, like, you might as well just say whatever you want to say. Because if the dude is, I I mean, at this point you're already about to die, so you might as well just go big or go home. Verse 40, but the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. I find it very interesting, and I believe this wholeheartedly, that as you grow older, have you ever noticed the people who seem that as they get older, they just get more angry? I really believe the two thieves are a representation of what you can be as you get closer to death. Will you be someone soft-hearted to the things of God, or will you scoff at the things of God? It, the choice is yours. I, I tell Shauna often, it's just something we say, like, "Hey, babe, we're gonna be better at seventy. We're gonna be, I, I, we're gonna be more gracious. We're gonna be more loving. We're gonna be more generous. We're gonna be more faith-filled. We're gonna be better the longer we go." But. He says, don't you fear God even a little bit? You've been sentenced to die. We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, just a few moments. I want to explain something before I read this obscure scripture to you and we close. But there's a, there's a video that's been circling on the Internet. Maybe you haven't seen it, so if you haven't seen it, and when I preach this, you'll be like, oh, well, that's great. For those of you who've seen it, you're like, oh, pastor, I sent that to you. I know, like 40 of you sent it to me. It was great, okay? Stop searching good preaching on the internet and then sending it to me because when I find it, I can't use it. And you're like, oh, I already heard that one time, okay? That's a joke. You guys can all laugh. But there's this, this pastor preaching is very powerful, and he's talking about the thief on the cross, and he makes a statement, basically. He says, can you imagine? Here's the thief on the cross. There's no baptism, right? He doesn't get water baptized. He doesn't understand, like, all the depths of theology. He doesn't know, you know, sanctification. He doesn't know the imputation of sin and righteousness. I know I'm using some big words. I'm just letting you know that some of the things that many of us don't know. He doesn't know. He just says, hey, will you remember me when you get there? And he says, surely you'll be with me in paradise. Yes, you'll be there. And the pastor, as he's preaching, basically says, I would love to talk to that guy and figure out what that whole moment was like. Can you imagine it? That as this man dies on the cross, Jesus says it is finished. Boom. Here this thief is. He's just. And then one of the angels is like, what are you doing? Uh, I don't know. I just I just kind of ended up here. Well, well what do you should I let you in? I don't know. Should you let me in? I don't really know what's going on. What's happening? Well, well how'd you get saved? I don't, I don't know. I never even really went to church before. I'm not really. I'm just here. I'm just here. Well, well, what's the doctrine of salvation? I don't I don't know what that is. Well, what is imputation of sin and righteousness? Are you saved by works? Or are you saved by? And the, the, the thief is just like, bro, I don't know. And then the angel would finally say, as this pastor was preaching, well, then by what are you here? And he goes, the man on the middle cross told me I could come. The man on the middle cross said I could get here. It's Jesus. Jesus is the only way. But as I was, I've watched that video many a times because many of you sent it to me. Thank you so much. Yeah, there was one. I don't know who that was, but yes, thank you. But there's this other obscure scripture that I actually think coincides with this moment. And I think it actually could make the moment that we're, talking about it in heaven maybe even a little have a little more humor to it if we just take a second but then I believe that there's something today because here's what you and I can do is we can say he is risen we can talk a lot about God and then disassociate the reality that resurrection impacts us resurrection is not just for Jesus it's for us And if we gather together and praise the resurrected king but never believe that that resurrection is powerful enough to affect our lives, then we've missed it. It would be equivalent to what was said a few weeks ago from Pastor Jason, one of our overseers, is you do a lot of things for God without God. And I'm not interested. And Jesus is not interested in us oohing and aahing at his power and then never walking in that power because it's for us. Look at this scripture, Matthew 27, 50 through 53. We're still in the rewind here. This is on Friday. Jesus is on the cross and he shouts, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then as Matthew notes, he shouts again. This is where other gospel writers would say that he he shouted, it is finished. But here's what it says in verse 50. Then Jesus shouted again, And he released his spirit. Another gospel writer would say, into your hands I commit my spirit. Verse 51, at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple torn in two from where? Top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. Are you ready for the obscure scripture that many of you have never read on Resurrection Sunday nor heard about? The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. Whoa, 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 Sunday ain't even happened yet. Jesus hasn't even resurrected. And, and, and you're going as far, Matthew, to tell me that there's eyewitnesses of this? No, no, this is messing with my theology a little bit. I can't, can't. Jesus died. No one else is getting up before Jesus gets up. That's not what the Bible says. Bible actually says his death was so powerful that when it shook the earth, it didn't just open up graves and bodies fall out and be like, oh, then the grave people are like, man, we got a little bit of cleanup to do. It says they came back from the dead. Now, I started thinking about what that man was preaching. The thief. Hey, how'd you get here? I don't know. I don't know. Man on the middle cross told me I could come. I don't even know what's going on. This is, this is dope, though. This is super cool. I love this. Love what you've done with the place. I mean, I don't know. I just asked him if I could go. He said I could go. But I started thinking about that story in correlation to this story, and I'm like, oh, this just got real good in heaven. Because around the same time that that thief would have been on the cross and Jesus said it is finished is the same time that the rock split and the earth shook and then some people came out of the grave, which means it says they were godly men and women, which means that their spirit would have been in heaven, which means I, I don't know if they were playing some godly poker Godly poker. I don't know. But at some point, their spirits just just, Michael, the archangel, where are you going? I don't know. Got to go. They disappear. And once they're gone, here's a thief. And Peter, uh, the, Michael, the archangel, what are you doing? I don't know. Did we just lose them for you? What the heck? This is a terrible exchange. What just happened? I got to talk to my supervisor. Hey, God, I don't know what's going on. I know crazy stuff's going down in earth right now, but there's some crazy stuff going on in heaven, too, and I'm really confused. And so this wild exchange happens, and look, I've watched a lot of cheesy Christian movies. There's a couple good ones. I'm just saying, if if I see one more, like, super light-skinned Jesus with, like, beautiful blue eyes, like, I'm going to freak out. Okay, he was a Middle Eastern man, all right? Let's just be historically accurate. Somewhat. But I'm going to be honest, I've watched a lot of them, and I've never seen that scene. Like, the gospel's OG walking dead, okay? Like, we're talking, they figured out walking dead way before Hollywood ever had anything on this. Jesus said it is finished, and dead people came out of their graves. How powerful is this death that this death can bring life? Some of you just got a revelation that you've missed for a long time. We tell you that because of Christ's death, you can be made alive. But I'm telling you that when he said it is finished and his life was given up, life immediately came back from the ground. It was not, hey, make sure you're coming to church. Let's check off all the boxes. You ask Jesus into your heart. You go to Sunday school. The the death so powerful, it produced life immediately. I'll tell you this. When seeds are sown... It takes while for a harvest. For us, the Bible tells us that. Don't grow weary in well-doing, Galatians 6, 9. But it says, um, don't lose heart, don't give up. In due season, you'll reap a harvest. Can I tell you that Jesus is the only sower of seed who can get immediate harvest? And when he said it is finished, people were brought back to life. But I need you to understand that what brought them back to life is the same thing that brought Jesus back to life, and it's the same thing that will bring you back to life. And it's this. God's spirit, Zechariah 4.6 says, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Write this down if you're taking notes. What do you do when you don't have any natural might or power left in you? Because this was the thought that I had. If the Bible tells us it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by God's spirit, it's by God's spirit when Jesus said, I commend my spirit into your hands and it was when God's spirit came back inside of him that brought Jesus back to life. Can we just be honest with ourselves that we are really good at mustering and digging up the last bit of might and power we have in us? And that is the very thing that's keeping you from walking in the fullness of God's spirit. It's that we live in a culture that says, I'm going to grind. I got it. I'm going to get a little bit more might and a little bit more power. I'm going to figure this thing out. But what do you do when you don't have any natural might or power left? Are you in that place today? Have you been in that place before? I don't have any more energy to fight anymore. Some of you have looked at your spouses and say, I can't fight anymore. I can't fight against you, but I don't even think I can fight for you. What do you do when you don't have any natural fight left? I believe that's the point that you finally live by what God has desired for you all along, his spirit. His spirit, I invite you today, you have an opportunity to exchange your power and might for his spirit, because it's the only thing that will produce life. So Jesus shouts, the earth shakes, the rocks split, the tombs are open, and, but notice this, don't miss the scripture back in Matthew 27. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. Verse 53, though, you can't miss 53. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection. And they went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. So my third and final question is this. What do we do now that he's resurrected? What do you do? What are you going to do? Is it just same old, same old? Hey, great Easter Sunday. Be back at work tomorrow. Does Easter Sunday 2023 make anything look different for the rest of 2023? What do you do now? If he's resurrected. For some of you, you believe this. You've lived it. And I just want to let you know the danger that you and I have is this thing called casual Christianity. And I just want you to know that I believe that God's calling us to cut the casual. To cut the convenient. To get to a place where there's this hunger. This like insatiable hunger for the things of God. Where nothing will stop us from just pressing in and getting closer. But there might be some of you in the room, you're like, man, I've heard about this, but I've never experienced this. So what are you going to do? Maybe you've heard this and you're like, he's alive. I mean, I know for me this week, I just had the crazy revelation, just like a fresh revelation that I needed, and it's pushed me to a whole different place. Just in the past three, four days, I don't know how many of you did our Holy Week devotional with us, but that Holy Week devotional was just paramount. And I had a friend, one of my favorite Bible teachers, was on YouTube last night, and he just had moments of meditation and prayer. He went live on YouTube, and he just walked through the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. And I just sat there. And just, just, he just, he was on one side, Bible on the other side, on the screen, and we just walked through every moment, where they took him, when they went to Caiaphas's house, and went to Herod's, and just watched everything. And I just reminisced on the fact that every, every whiplash, every beating Every bit of that was for me. But notice the scripture. Because we could just be like, whoa. Dude, did you hear what Pastor said? When he died, people got up from the grave. That's crazy. But you have to read it with accuracy here and not miss this most crucial piece, which is why I feel the Lord brought me to this passage for you today. Because it says in verse 53, they left the cemetery After Jesus' resurrection, the death of Jesus, many of you, hey, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But can I tell you that for you and I, we run the risk of being people who are in our graves, who got up. Man, Jesus died for me, for my sins. I'm forgiven. Praise God. But then we live for less, and we just relegate ourselves to this cemetery of just dead things. And we keep going back to dead relationships, and we keep going back to the dead things in our past that can't serve us. And we just live in this place. And how sad of a thing it would have been. For them to resurrect on Friday when he said it is finished. To hang out Saturday. For Jesus to get out of the grave on Sunday. And for them to go, I'm good. I'm good in my graveyard. Isn't it pretty? Got a couple flowers over here. Uncle Joe, he didn't resurrect. Not sure why. And as silly as it sounds, do you know how many Christians are just living in their 12 by 12 graveyard? They couldn't leave the cemetery until After the resurrection, the death of Jesus, yes, it had to happen. It paid the final price. But he had to resurrect because if he didn't resurrect, they're not leaving the graveyard and entering into the city. But I came to tell someone today, Jesus did come back from the the grave. And because he did, you can enter into a city or enter into your household or enter into your workplace or enter into your neighborhood. Wherever God has you, whatever the context looks like for you, you can enter in. And I love this. What those people did is the same thing Jesus did on Sunday. So Jesus gets out of the grave and it says he appears to many people. And people are seeing the goodness of God. But guess what happened to the people who got out of the grave? They joined Jesus in the same thing. That's the resurrection power. He's inviting you to join in. It says they walked into the city and they appeared to many people. And what are they seeing in them that they saw in Jesus? The same thing. The goodness of God. The goodness of God. Resurrection power isn't just for Jesus. It's for all of us. And it can't happen without Jesus. Will you stand to your feet this morning? I believe it's time for someone to walk out of your graveyard. Maybe, yeah, yeah, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. No, no, no. It's time to get out of the dead things. It's time to stop reliving the past. Some of you, some of you don't understand if you don't get past your past, your past won't let you live. Hear me today. Prophetic declaration over your life. It is time for that to be dead. But you're not hanging around dead things anymore because you've got resurrection life. And when you have resurrection life in Christ, you know the crazy thing about this moment? You know where this graveyard was, right? It wasn't in the city. They're not allowed to be in the city. Because according to customs, if you touch a dead body, you become unclean and you have to leave the city. But there's no law against dead people. The dead people didn't touch dead people. They just were dead and they no longer are. But the grave had to be outside the city. There's a spiritual implication here for you and I that when you are made new in Christ, there are new things to walk into because of resurrection power. And there are so many people who love the idea of Jesus but never walk in the power of the resurrection. Can I just tell you that our church is not interested in it? That's not what God has called us to. He's called us to the fullness. And so right now, In these next few moments, the team's gonna lead us before we close. If you're here today and you've never experienced resurrection power when it comes to Christ, I know people are looking around the room and I could have you bow your heads and do a bunch of stuff, but I just want you to know this is a family. If you wanted a church that judges people, you came to the wrong one, sorry. But if you're here today and you're like, you know what? I think I want that resurrection power. I want to walk out of some things. I want to know, Jesus, if that's you today, would you just lift your hand? We'd just love to celebrate with you. Yeah, come on. I see you, bro. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, come on. I see you. I see you. I see you. Come on. So can I? for those of you that lifted your hand, can I just give you the simplicity of the gospel? The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. I know you might be sitting here going, wait, is there more I got to do? Nope, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's for you. He's for you. I know some of you feel like you've been walking through it alone. You're not alone. He's for you. There's some others in the room. You love Jesus. But, man, you've been living around some dead things. It's time to leave the graveyard. I'm going to pray over you. If that's you today where you're like, man, I just got some things to leave. Our altars are open. I just believe there's some people, prophetically, you're going to step out and make a move to this altar. And I want you to say, Jesus, I'm leaving the graveyard. My life is yours to enter into the city, to appear to many people, showing your resurrection power. The resurrection's for you. The power's for you. If I walked around this room and said, hey, how'd you hear about Voyage Church? It happens often. People go, oh, Becky told me. I'm like, oh, Becky, love her, love Becky. Hey, guys, y'all know who Becky is? Like, just the church is growing so fast. But do you know how you ended up here? Maybe a social media post, 3% of you, maybe. Someone with resurrection power in their life walked into your home because of their work. Mr. Glenn, I'm just seeing you right, here, right now, maybe. Think about it. I, you walked into someone's house the other day just to talk to him about some sales, Holy Spirit took over. Resurrection power had him enter a home. Resurrection power had them enter a city. Resurrection power having you enter into every sphere of your life. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Father, we thank you right now in your name father, that there is resurrection power. God, for people, God, we praise you right now for people in this moment who just said, yeah, 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 I want Jesus. Lord, that in this moment, they would just tell you, God, in their own words, just an authentic, God, just raw, real moment of Jesus, I'm yours. Jesus, I want your resurrection power. I'm surrendering to you. Forgive my sins. I repent, I turn to you, I turn away from things to turn to you. But God, for others of us, that we would walk out of our grave right now, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city.